welcome to the Find Your Best Future podcast. This is the podcast that helps international families make great decisions when it comes to choosing university courses. Welcome to another episode of the Find Your Best Future podcast. Um, today we're taking a look, a detailed look actually, at, uh, at law as a subject, uh, what it means to study law. Um, and uh, the differences between the different kinds of law. Jeremy, uh, law is obviously a, a really um, uh, important area. Uh, studying law is, um, well, it's different from country to country, isn't it? It certainly is. I suppose we should start with the basics that if you are considering studying law, um, you need to decide which country you're going to study in because, uh, as you rightly point out, laws vary from country to country. But we're going to be digging into that a little bit later in this episode. Okay, so let's, let's uh, get to it. So, you know, everyone talks about law, but what is law, Jeremy? What does it actually cover? Very simple, Neil. It is a binding custom or practice of a community, a rule of conduct or action prescribed or formally recognized as binding or enforced by a controlling authority. End of quote. That is actually from Webster's Dictionary. Are you serious? Uh, I'm meant I to am be very serious, yes. You can easily go and check that. Webster's is a, a widely available <laughs> dictionary. So if you're still confused, and I'm I am. you are, I am. <laughs> um, to put it into layman's language, um, all countries have laws that determine the limits and guide what we're able to do and how societies function. So law comes into contact with almost every area of human life. It touches upon business, economics, politics, the environment, human rights, international relations, trade, family, property, and much, much more. So law is really an all-encompassing field here. So it's a bit like you know, the broad fields we've been looking at of, I don't know, uh, uh, business studies or, um, you know, one of those subjects that, that, uh, that allows access to a wide range of different areas. Is that right? Yes, it is. Um, interestingly enough, that uh, now you mentioned this, when I talk to prospective law students, you know, my high school students who are about to go off and study law, I, I try and sort of open their eyes as to the huge variety of different areas of law, because most lawyers specialize in a particular area. And I think it might be useful if we actually go through these areas of law, just to sort of open the eyes of our listeners to the possibilities. that. Let's do it then. Let's do it. I love the idea. You going to start? I will start indeed. Let's start off with marriage. Okay, let's start with maritime law. Maritime law regulates the economic transactions and property disputes involved in maritime trade. So it's all to do with shipborne trade. Okay, that's interesting. So it's sort of the yeah. law that covers, I don't know, container ships and sailors and uh, all of that stuff, is it? Yeah, and of course it overlaps in into a lot of insurance uh, areas, like who insures the cargo, who insures the ship. And at what right. point does the insurance um, uh, transfer from one person to another or one country to another or one company to another? It's a complex and interesting area. And when you think how much of the world's trade is carried by ship, then you can see it's a very big area indeed. It is, and, and, and very much uh, an international area 
because you're not yes. uh, by very definition you're using your 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 it's the interface between uh you know trade and, and commodity trading uh between uh well the whole world and so uh very much a, an international area um yes. uh, another and one uh uh, I, I see on your list is some bankruptcy law. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, ju just before we get on to bankruptcy law, just yeah. one other co comment about maritime law sure. is, of course, as you rightly point out, it's very international. So that then flags up the question, like, whose jurisdiction is it going to come under? Are you going to uh, do this transaction under British law, German law, French law, Chinese law, Japanese law, etc. So companies who are trading and using ships, they, they have to agree that one particular jurisdiction has uh, preference here. So anyway, right. you, men you mentioned bankruptcy law. Um, yeah. This, of course, is a law that applies to insolvency problems for individuals or organizations. Right. And that means, you know, not enough is coming in. Too much is going out. Usually that is the cause of it. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay. And it's managing that whole uh, uh, process of dissolving companies or helping people uh, um, uh, sort out their own financial uh, situations. Again, a crossover between law and, and, and I guess, finance and, uh, uh, and money in that case. Yes, because, of course, people who train as lawyers very often go to work in, in large financial institutions, banks, insurance right. companies, etc. And we'll come back to that, I guess, in terms of uh, the kind of places that uh, people can work in when they've studied law. Um, the next one on the list. Yeah, business or corporate law. Um, this, of course, involves the formation, dissolution and all legal aspects of the administration of corporations and companies. Um, typical duties, uh, lawyers include mergers and acquisitions, which is a very big area, um, internal reorganization of a company or disputes between companies or corporations and individuals concerning things like liability, patents as well. The whole issue of patents is, is a very highly legal area and a very specialized area. And then, of course, you have the the fact that companies, corporations have to comply with state and federal law and international law. And so, again, this is a large area of employment for lawyers. Yeah, it's probably, um, I guess, after the sort of uh, national civil system, yeah. it's probably the biggest employer, isn't it? I would say so, yes. In that every company uh, of a medium size will need legal counsels and uh, advice uh, pretty much in a constant uh, way. Um, other areas? Civil rights law. Um, civil rights law aims to balance competing interests between institutions of government on the one hand and individuals or groups of individuals on the other. Um, lawyers who work in this area um, look at cases involving discrimination, unfair practices that infringe on the rights and liberties uh, in areas such as employment, housing, education, social welfare, entitlements, etc. Right. And so they're representing uh, uh, often the other side um, in terms of, uh, 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 you know, if you're looking at business law, you'd be working for the company's interests, etc., etc. If you were working within uh, uh, that kind of environment, these people are fighting for the rights of, of individuals, I guess. Yes, usually uh, they're up against the power of the state 
in, right. in, the, in these court cases. Indeed. And uh, criminal law must be, I guess, the biggest area? Yeah, when, when people think of lawyers, they, they often think of, of people um, standing up in a courthouse, either defending a, um, a person who's been accused of a crime or perhaps prosecuting a person, depending on which side of the bench they're uh, working for. Um, but this, of course, is an important area. So criminal law focuses on behaviours that are sanctioned under criminal code and defined as illegal. So this is really what criminal law. Um, right, and they would and they on. would be the yeah. people that you traditionally see uh, in the movies in court cases, uh, uh, fighting either as the defence or the um, uh, the prosecution. Is that right? Yes, uh, I think a, a lot of students in high schools think of the law in terms of these court cases because there's so much um, out there in, in films, TV shows, etc. Right, um, indeed. It's probably worth pointing out that most law graduates actually don't work in the court system. They work in, in these other areas that we're currently discussing. I think it's really important to point that out, isn't it? And, and also, you know, the criminal law area... Uh, is um, certainly for international students probably the one area where they would have to train in their home country. Is that right? Yes, it's, it's always the first question that I ask um, a high school student who says he or she wants to study law. I, I say, do you want to work in the court system? And if that student says yes, then I say, okay, then you have to decide which country you want to work in and you have to go and study law in that country because, of course, every country has their own set of laws. If, however, as a, as a prospective law student, you've set your sights on working companies, organizations, etc., then it doesn't really matter too much which country you go and study in. Right, and that is you know, critically important, isn't it, to, to understand, right. uh, especially for international students. Um, the next one on the list is a fun one. It is indeed entertainment law, uh, something that people don't think too much about, but it's obviously the entertainment industry is a huge multi-billion dollar industry, and any industry that's got multi-billion dollars floating around will certainly need some legal advice. Um, so it, it's really... It's, um, centered around intellectual property law. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's a huge area, isn't it? It is. I mean, who owns the rights to make the film of the book, for example? Exactly. Um, and, of course, there's a lot of royalty money uh, floating around here. So, really, you'd be working in the sort of the world of arts, music, television, cinema, or maybe sport as well. Right. Yeah, indeed. Um, and one that's particularly interest to me is environmental law. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, indeed. In fact, uh, we have recently made an interesting podcast episode on sustainability and environmental issues. Um, and lawyers working in this area are working in, in a very sort of cutting edge area of concern nowadays. Because as you're probably aware, the environment is right up there in the news on a regular basis. Of course. So environmental law really uh, concerns itself with statutes, treaties, regulations, conventions based in state, federal or transnational law. Um, lawyers here uh, will be representing either government agencies or advocacy organizations like Greenpeace, for example, or perhaps right. individuals. 
And so the environmental lawyers often focus on cases involving things like natural resource management, curbing of pollution is a, is a hot topic, or disputes about land use. Yeah, and I guess uh, companies use them as well um, uh, to advise them on, on the best way forwards in terms of their environmental strategies as well. Yes, because when, when a company sets out to uh, perhaps build something, whether it be a road or a bridge or a factory, there's always going to be some sort of environmental impact. And so the company needs some sort of legal advice on what the uh, potential pitfalls might be. Right. The next area it was interesting because it didn't pop to mind straight away, but it's obviously a, a hugely important area. That's family law. Could you tell us a little bit about family law? Yeah, lawyers in this field typically work in smaller firms and they specialize in a variety of areas ranging from things like child welfare, adoption, divorce, um, also looking at wills. Um, right. And as you say, they're, they're the people who are often in your local town, um, yes. uh, you know, who, who do the wills. And, and of course, divorce, unfortunately, is a uh, uh, an area that uh, is often uh, something that they spend a huge amount of time on, um, how to divide up the, the assets of a of family uh, when um, parents decide that they no longer want to be with each other. So it's one of those areas of uh, of law that unfortunately will never go away, I guess. I think you're right, sadly. Right. And and the next one uh, uh, I was intrigued by, uh, health law. What's that? Yeah, health law is an evolving field that focuses on all legislation uh, to do with health. I mean, health, again, is a huge industry. You imagine how large a hospital is and all the people that work there and therefore what the budget is for a hospital. And then you imagine how many hospitals and health centers and doctor surgeries yeah. there are just in one country. And then, of course, if you look at it worldwide, it's massive. And of yes, course, legis legislation governing uh, practices in, in the health area um, differ from place to place. Um, sometimes a patient will want to sue a hospital because they feel that they haven't received the, the proper level of care that they should have done. It's, it's a very large and complex area. Right. And, and one that we hear a lot of in the news all the time uh, uh, is immigration law. Um, could you give us an idea of what an immigration lawyer does? Yeah, again, of course, immigration law... Um, there are international standards uh, for uh, dealing with immigrants, but then every country has its own immigration laws. Um, there was a series of uh, steps that a, a person might want to go through in order to become a naturalized citizen of a country. And so they would probably employ an immigration lawyer to help them through that process because it can be quite complicated. Um, and then of course, other aspects of the profession relate to refugees and asylum seekers. Sure. Uh, and this is a very hot political topic at the moment, particularly here in Europe. Um, so there's really a lot of work uh, in this field for immigration lawyers. My goodness, it's, a, it's such a broad area when you dig into it, isn't it? And there, there are still um, quite a few more uh, areas on the list. Uh, the next one is uh, intellectual property law, which I guess sort of... Uh, is similar to what we were discussing earlier in the entertainment law, but probably transcends that area, doesn't it? 
It does, actually, because intellectual property law focuses on protecting the rights of inventors, authors, businesses. Um, and also it, it goes into the area of the more intangible creations like symbols, uh, right. adver uh, advertisements. So legal professionals in this field are often experts in a particular domain, such as science, the arts, or a particular industry. We talk very briefly about patent lawyers. Um, someone I know actually specialized in biochemistry, has a, a PhD in biochemistry. He then went on and did a, a law degree and now works as a patent attorney because of course he has the specialist background scientific knowledge, which you really need if you're going to um, judge whether this is uh, a reasonable request for a patent or not. You, you really need that background knowledge. So this whole intellectual property area can uh, involve digging in very deep into a specific area of work. Right. Um, and would that generally be people who um, study a master's of law after studying a different subject area then in that case? It could well be, yes, because um, if you are moving into an area where you need some very specialized subject knowledge, uh, then you probably need to have a, a degree in that particular subject, plus, of course, your legal training. Okay. Um, and and the next one on our list is uh, um, one that, that sounds like a big cover-all um, uh, for, for a whole range of different things, uh, international law. Um, and I've noticed that there are some course names uh, uh, called international law, but what is international law? Well, as you rightly point out, Neil, it's a very broad area in its conception, uh, but it can be broken down really into private and public sectors. Right. In the, in the private sector, specialists in international law may work in finance, trade, for multinational corporations, and so therefore familiarity with business essentials is useful. In the public area of international law, lawyers would work on cases that involve dealings between sovereign nations, for example. So familiarity with comparative law or public international law would be most helpful in this field. Indeed. Okay, understood. So, uh, again, a broad area where where covers a, a range of different, um, um, you know, different focus points. Um, the next one on the list is employment law. And again, I guess there are two sides to that coin, are there not? Uh, one is uh, representing businesses, uh, and the other one will be representing individuals. Yes, indeed. Um, it's concerned with the relations between workers and their employers on matters ranging from things like wages through um, harassment. Uh, to discrimination based on a number of factors. I mean, discrimination can be based on gender or disability or age or sexual preference, um, religion. There's a lot of different areas of discrimination which may crop up in the field of employment. Right. And, and for clarity, the lawyers, uh, company lawyers, will often represent their companies, I guess, in this area. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, on the other side of the coin is that the employee will uh, have a lawyer as well. Either he or she will employ a, a lawyer or perhaps they will do this through some sort of organization like a trade union. Right. The next one is uh, if you've ever been to America, 
um, you'll uh, you'll have seen on the television uh, adverts for for people uh, lawyers standing there going, um, "Have you ever hurt your toe when walking down the road? If so, I can get you. Uh, I don't know a, a million dollars. Uh, call this number." Um, and uh, underneath it is the name of a guy, and it says "Personal Injury Law." Um, is that what personal injury law is? Is Actually, Neil, I just noticed I've got a bit of a cough while doing this podcast. Do you think I could sue someone and get lots of money? You probably could try. I could try, but to bring it back to a more serious level, yes, I have been to the United States and I have seen these adverts, commonly referred to as ambulance chasers, I think. I was being too polite to mention that name. Okay, but to to sort of bring it back to a, a more academic level, I think... Personal injury law deals with intentional or unintentional wrongdoing that affects individuals physically or psychologically. And so lawyers are experts in uh, different areas of law, medical malpractice, which we touched on just before, and accident collisions. You know, if your car knocks into someone else and someone else is injured, they might well sue you. Uh, product liability. Now, this is an area that people tend to overlook, but it's actually very big. You know, if a product is defective and injures you, for example, if an electrical appliance is not properly uh, fused or earthed, you could get an electrical shock from it, and that could be quite serious. So product liability is a very, very important area. Wrongful death, uh, sadly, this does occasionally happen. Uh, There was an interesting um, article in one of the local newspapers here in Germany that there was a man, he was operating a mechanical digger, uh, preparing the foundations for a new building. And unfortunately, there was an unexploded World War II bomb, which exploded and he was sadly killed. So this would be an example of wrongful death. Right. Work Workplace injury. I mean, some workplaces can be quite dangerous. Uh, They can indeed. Yeah depending on the the type of machinery being operated. Of course, nowadays, um, safety regulations are far, far better than they used to be a few generations back. But nevertheless, um, occasionally accidents do happen. And, uh, um, you know, we were joking at the beginning, but obviously it's a serious area, uh, especially for the individual. And, you know, if you're you're hurt or, or, um, uh, you know, incapacitated in some way and not able to work, it can have a catastrophic impact on on uh, families. Uh, and so it, it's a, a very worthwhile area to work in, even though uh, they probably get a bad rap uh, in some contexts. Um, now, as a German speaker, the next uh, uh, next uh, uh, one on our list uh, is, is too close to a, to a different word. Um, tort law, T-O-R-T, um, reminds me of the word torta, which is a cake. Um, uh, but I don't think that tort law is about cakes, is it? Uh, regrettably not. Uh, no. For those of us, for those of us who live in Germany or Austria, know the German word, of course. And believe me, if you ever come to visit these countries, it's definitely worth checking out. The cakes are Certainly. excellent. But meanwhile, back on the more serious legal aspects of this podcast episode. Um, Tort in common law jurisdiction is a civil wrong that causes a claimant to suffer loss or harm, resulting in legal liability for the person who commits the tortuous act. What does that mean? Because I I didn't really get that. 
Well, let's say um, your kids are playing football outside in the street and they kick the ball through your window, or the but worse still, the neighbour's window. The neighbour's window, I think, is the one. <laughs> I know because I've actually been there and done that. Uh, have I? So yeah, I think most of us probably have. As at a some ten point. year old, I remember that vividly. Yeah. Yes, and then in the due course of time, my sons also did the same. I guess it's pretty much inevitable, really. So uh, this is the sort of thing that tort law deals with. Okay, understood. Understood. Uh, another huge area um, of uh, of law is real estate law, property law. Very big indeed, of course. Um, real estate law involves land or construction ownership, development, litigation, tenant rights, landlord disputes. Uh, there's a lot going on here. In fact, attorneys in this field may work on residential or commercial transactions. They may be reviewing contracts or they might work in the planning office of a, of a government or local authority. There's just a, a very broad spectrum of areas that need attending to. Yeah, it's huge if you think about it. Um, yes. Uh, unbelievably uh, large area. Uh, and another um, endlessly uh, important area <laughs> is tax law. Well, tax law, yes. Um, I'm just trying to remember, who was it said that um, there are only two certainties in life, <laughs> death and taxation? I think it might have been Thomas Jefferson. I think um, so. It rings yeah. a bell. It does ring a bell. Okay, tax. Um, yeah, tax is uh, you know, a part of life, really, um, but it is a very large field. And inevitably, because the governments want people to hand over money, it does, of course, lead to disputes as to how much money should be handed over. So this, this is really the crux of the matter. Um, so tax law is a dynamic field that deals with domestic and also international transactions because frequent modifications to the law and the complexity of fiscal policy that guides these changes means that we need experts in tax law. And, and they, they need to continuously update their professional skills, keep up to date. So apart from ensuring the legality of these tax levies, um, lawyers also help clients reduce their fiscal liabilities, which means reduce the amount of tax they have to pay. And of course, tax lawyers can be very helpful if you are looking at a multi-million dollar tax bill. It's probably worth paying the lawyer a few thousand to see if he can reduce this. Indeed, indeed. My goodness. So studying law opens a huge range of doors, doesn't it? It does. Very, very interesting, actually, because it's the sort of degree which you can then take and use to work in a, in a variety of different areas. Right. And, and I've noticed through my days, it's also a sort of stamp of credibility, um, in, certainly in business. Um, you know, if you've studied law, you, you, you can just sort of seen as someone who is credible. Is that right? Yes, and I, I think there's also during the course of your law studies, you're going to um, hone a lot of very useful transferable skills, especially communication skills, um, analytical skills, research skills. Uh, and these skills can be transferred to work in a lot of different fields. Okay, so we've understood that law is uh, everywhere and uh, jobs for lawyers um, well, certainly abound and you're not going to run out of work, are you, uh, as a lawyer? It's a, 
I'm sure it's a future uh, protected business in many ways. Um, uh, but what does studying law look like then? Uh, uh, can you give us an idea, a concrete idea of what kind of things a law student is actually going to do in their three or four years? Yes, certainly. I, I think it's, it's a worthwhile tip for high school students to, uh, no matter what subject you're planning on studying, is, is to go and have a look at the course content on the university's website. Incredibly important. Yeah, I, th I think it, it might be useful here if we have a look at the, the law program at uh, a top university, in this case, University College London. Right. And so you have some idea about what you're actually going to be doing during those three years of your bachelor degree. So let's start off. Um, so during, during year one of the program, you, you're going to take um, four compulsory modules. That's contract law, property law public law and criminal law. And then moving on into year two, you take four more compulsory modules. Again, property law, part two, jurisprudence and legal theory, tort law and European Union law. Okay. And then this is where it starts to get really interesting. In your final year or year three, you'll be able to choose four modules. And there's quite a long and interesting list. I and mean, we've basically been through earlier in this episode about the different types of law. Yeah. And then you're going to understand when I read through this list now that you will have the opportunity to start specializing in an area that interests you. And so the, the units that they have on offer are the following. Employment law, history of English law, intellectual property law, company law, taxation law, commercial law, family law, environmental law, public international law, healthcare law, access to justice and community engagement law, human rights in the UK, Roman law, alternative dispute resolution, conflict of laws, criminology, Philosophical Foundations of the Common Law, Law and Social Inquiry, okay. Administrative Law, Advanced Contract Law, Introduction to Competition Law and Consumer Protection, Criminal Processes, Evidence, Sentencing and Advanced Topics in Criminal Law, Law, Innovation and Public Policy, and very modern here and very topical, internet law and policy. So you, right, so you don't have to choose. do all of them. You can, you, you can then just, choose. Just yeah. You would be uh, a very busy student indeed if you tried to do all of those in one indeed. year. Indeed, I was, I, was, I was glazing over <laughs> halfway through, so I was like, oh, my yeah. goodness. Um, and I think, okay, so that covers uh, all of the areas of law. I think it's fair to say, though, that, that different law courses are very, very different, aren't they, uh, in their both their approach and their focus. So uh, what you, you said about digging into the, uh, uh, the course content is particularly relevant here in law. Yes, it is, because uh, as I indicated just now, um, you sort of covered the basics and then you have a choice to go in, in, in various directions and start to specialise. Right. And, and some... Sometimes the the title of the course will give you a a hint, won't it? Because um, you know, I'm thinking of uh, Tilburg University's uh, uh, courses is global law, isn't it? 
I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes, um, Tilburg University in the Netherlands has a very interesting course called Global Law. Um, it's taught in English. Uh, that means you don't actually become a lawyer in the Dutch legal system. Sure. Because of course, that's, that's taught in Dutch language. But what you, what you do come out with is a, a, a very good legal grounding, which then enables you to go out and work in international companies and organizations, which is actually where the majority of law graduates. Exactly. Going back to your work. list, that's, that's the yes. largest majority. Yeah. And I, is, I know yes. um, also, you know, like uh, staying in Holland, that Maastricht do uh, a really interesting law course as well. So, and with a very different, uh, you know, uh, sort of tilt on the, the course. And, and so really looking around and, and trying to see what kind of, uh, 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 of course, you're interested in is, in, is important. Um, yeah, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's an exciting area. Yeah, Maastricht University offers something called European law. Um, clearly, you will be uh, qualified to go out and work at, in a, a, a Europe-wide environment. I mean, Europe, of course, nowadays, businesses, companies, governments are doing you know, a lot of well, business with each other. And clearly, they need some sort of legal structure and legal experts. And that could be you. Okay. So let's go back in then to, you know, what the differences between countries, because it's a, it's an important area if, you, if you're thinking about studying uh, law. Um, could you sort of highlight some of the differences uh, between the different legal systems uh, around the place? Yeah, this is actually where it gets very interesting, because there are significant differences in, 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 from country to country in how they approach their legal structure. Sure. Um, most European countries have based their legal systems on the Code Napoleon. Obviously, it was, it was founded by Napoleon Bonaparte just over 200 years ago. And they have a written constitution to refer back to. Right. Now, the, U the UK, of course, never fell under Napoleon's control. <laughs> and, and, and therefore, is not, law is not based on the Code Napoleon. Uh, the UK legal system is based on common law or case law. Right. Um, so, and there is actually no written constitution per se, as, for example, you might be familiar with the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, that shocks uh, that many written. people, doesn't it? It does, yes. Um, and, of course, th this uh, follows through into the whole legal structure. By the way, it's worth noting, in case you don't know, the U.K. consists of four constituent parts, England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland. And for historical reasons, Scottish law is different from English law because oh, it used to be a separate country, and that's why yeah. in, in the uh, um, the course list is list that you uh, focused on earlier, uh, it was uh, focusing on English law uh, as opposed yes. to UK law. That's right. Okay. Um, in, interesting enough, if you are thinking of doing a law degree, for example, at Edinburgh University in Scotland, you will see listed a Scottish law degree. And I believe they also offer an English law degree as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Not being a lawyer myself, I'm not too clear what the differences are. And I don't think they're huge, but nevertheless, there are differences there. Okay. And you need to be aware of this. So um, you mentioned the, the US yeah. system. Uh, what's that yes. like? Well, the United States is very interesting, of course, because it was founded as an independent country in 1776 with a constitution. 
Uh, most of you are probably aware that the United States actually is a federal country. There is a federal government in Washington, D.C., and there are federal laws which uh, apply across the whole of the United States. And then the United States has 50 states, and each of these states has its own parliament and its own set of laws. Right, so, so that's US, a bit like Germany, isn't it? Similar, yes. You have federal law and state law. Right. Okay. This, this is a key difference in the United States. Makes it a lot more complicated, a lot more jobs for lawyers, I guess. Well, interestingly enough, lawyers in the United States are actually um, accredited or, or licensed to work in a particular state right. because they have to pass a, a state exam. You know, if you're working in Virginia, you obviously need to know what the laws are in Virginia as well as federal law, obviously. Okay, and understood. So if, you, if you wanted to go and work in a different state, you'd have to do some further sort of make-up tests to qualify. Okay. Um, so that's qu quite an interesting dynamic. Um, so if so what does this have to do with uh, students who are, who are uh, considering studying law? Um, well, you have to really decide which country you want to study in and how you want to use your law degree in the future. Um, we, we sort of touched on this already in the sense that sure. if you want to go and work in the judicial system and stand up in a court and defend you know, the accused or prosecute the accused, then you really need to study the law of that particular country and you will be working in that country. But if you want to take your law degree out and use it um, in international companies or organizations, then it's far more flexible. You can pretty much choose which country you want to go and study in. It may be you have to make do some sort of makeup short course if you change countries, but by and large, you are prepared to go out and work um, in companies and organizations. Right. And we've talked uh, about you know, studying law with the pure focus of, of becoming a lawyer. But many people who study law don't become lawyers, do they? Oh, that's true enough. They just sort of have a, a, a certain amount of legal knowledge, which yeah. might be combined with some other subject. It, it might be some joint degree like law and business, for example, and they, they take that expertise and knowledge out and, and work in organizations. By the way, yeah. I, should I should point out um, that we were talking about the USA. USA and Canada, by the way, it's a graduate entry program. You can't just go straight uh, from school. It's important. Indeed. So, oh, that's that. hugely important. So if you want to study law straight from school, you can't go to Canada and uh, uh, or the USA. Uh, you'd have to study a liberal arts uh, uh, course, I guess, and, and then go on afterwards as a graduate. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, you'd have to study some sort of bachelor degree program. It doesn't right. really matter too much which one, and then apply okay. to grad grad school for your law right. program. Understood. Um, what are the jobs that are available for lawyers outside of being a lawyer then? Um, well, actually quite a lot because um, the skills you acquire while you are studying law um, are considerable and very useful in a lot of different uh, contexts. For example, you could work as a politician. Uh, right. You could go and work in, in business, we've talked about already, as a consultant. Uh, you might want to work uh, for the military or local national government. You could become a civil servant, a stockbroker, a banker, a journalist, a detective. A detective? Well, yes, because, I mean, detectives have to have a certain knowledge of the law, like what they're allowed to do and what they're not sure. allowed to do. Yeah, so uh, that's also quite an interesting uh, 
professional field to move into. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a really uh, sort of sound uh, grounding for a whole range of different kinds of uh, uh, professional options. So quite a good option, I guess, for students who are not really clear about what they want to do um, and, uh, you know, and, and maybe want to open lots of doors. I think that's a, a very valid point you make, Neil. Yes, um, it will certainly keep a lot of doors open for you, a law degree. But what kind of subjects do you need to study at high school in order to, to uh, successfully apply for a law degree, Jeremy? Well, this is the beauty of this. Uh, really, pretty much any combination of subjects will qualify you to apply for a, a law program at university. However, universities tend to uh, look to see whether you are taking subjects where you you have to analyze and write essays. Right. Uh, subjects like English literature, history, economics, geography, those sort of subjects. But broadly speaking, um, it's pretty open, actually. Um, you, you can apply for a law degree with just about any combination of subjects in your final two years of school. Right, which is great news uh, for many students is, who yes. maybe haven't thought about things uh, in grade 10 or you know, in, in, when they're 16 and have sort of just sort of uh, ended up studying a standard set of subjects. It, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a place that you can go, which is great. But they are looking yes. for people who have, um, uh, you know, a certain skill set. And maybe we come to that later because it's really important, isn't it, that, we, uh, that students understand uh, what uh, working as a lawyer entails in terms of... Uh, uh, of the kind of things that that uh, uh, you'll be doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, actually, let's cover it now. What specific uh, skill set uh, uh, do students need if they're going to be successful as lawyers? Well, first off, um, if possible, it, it would be a great opportunity for you if you could go and shadow someone in a law firm during the summer vacation. Right. I know this is not always possible to arrange, but if you are able to arrange this, then that would certainly be quite an eye-opener. And then later on, you need to look to see if your university offers some sort of placements or internships as part of your programme. Okay. Uh, because this is going to boost boost your chances when you finally graduate and look for your first real job. Right. Um, but then be, be, beyond those uh, points, I would say the sort of the skills that, that you need to have, um, obviously research skills, you're going to be using a range of sources, uh, including verbal questioning. Right. And then evaluation skills, the ability to interpret and explain complex information clearly. Uh, just think, if you're standing up in a courtroom, you're going to have to explain this to the jury. And the jury are just normal people. They haven't got any legal training. Um, then beyond that, you have analytical skills. You're going to have to look through a lot of written information. And that's probably, and... for me, one of the most important things, isn't yes. it? You, know, yes. you spend a lot of time being very detail-oriented. Um, and understanding the detail is... Uh, is critical to being a successful lawyer. And I think also you, you, you need a high level of language skills because yes. legal legal language is, is rather specific and you, you need to understand the nuances 
but uh, in terms of the the meanings of words and yeah. so you can't you can't just go and study in a language where you've only got sort of two or three years experience you really need to be good in the language whichever yes, language think, you choose no, yeah. you're, you're very right and and also i guess problem solving skills as well yes um, problem solving skills reasoning and critical judgment skills and the ability to formulate sound arguments because you're going to have to persuade people of the the righteousness of your case yes um, either, either, either. Verbally or, or in written form i guess and you know in, yes. in companies it would tend to be in a meeting context in written form uh and uh in a court context obviously you're you're uh, uh speaking to a, a a wider group of people um and and then i mean for me being able to draft a, a really strong document uh is also uh, very very important yeah the ability to write concisely as well because you don't want your document to be picked to pieces by some other lawyer or right. he chooses to interpret it in some different direction so it has to be very concise and as far as possible not open to too many different interpretations Okay. I know that might, that might be easier said than done, um, but that's where we're aiming for. Yeah, no, I get that. So these are the kind of things that, you know, regardless of, of which subject areas you study at school, these are the kind of things you need to be good at in order to be successful yes. as a lawyer. Yeah. And I think it's really important for students to understand, you know, if you're a broad brush, uh, big picture, um, get out there and use your charisma uh, to persuade people, person, perhaps uh, you know, studying law is 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 not the right thing for you. Um, uh, and again, if you're someone who enjoys digging into the detail and finding uh, complex solutions or solutions to to complex problems, uh, then perhaps uh, law is the right thing for you. Is that a fair generalisation? Yeah, I think it is, Neil. Um... Obviously, you, you, you need to have uh, an attention to detail and the ability to draft formal documents with precision. I mean, it's, it's also useful if you do have the personality to go out there and talk to people and persuade sure, of course. Uh, but nevertheless, you're going to have to start off with the detail. Indeed. Okay, so what other specific advice can you offer students when they're considering just studying law? Um, there, there are lots of things that, that you could um, look at. Um, for example, you might want to check the, the rankings uh, of the universities. Right. Um, where are the top universities uh, for, for law programs? Do, does your university offer you the chance to combine a law degree with something else, like law and business or law and a foreign language? Right. Um, so that, that's also quite important. Yeah, very powerful as well. And, and those combined uh, degrees uh, um, uh, are offered uh, widely or are they um, uh, more niche? Uh, they, 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 they're offered quite widely. I mean, I mentioned now just sort of doing a law degree and picking up a, another language or perhaps even more useful would be to take a combined law degree, which, which looks at the legal systems of two different countries. We were looking at University College London's law degree just now. Um, they actually have a very interesting program called English Law and German Law. So you actually study right. the legal system of both of those countries. And you would split your time, like two years at University College London 
and two years uh, in Berlin at the Humboldt Universität. And obviously, you you need to be of a, you know, bilingual, basically, because Completely. you have to deal with German and English. You can't right, just go it. along there and think, okay, I'll start learning German the first week I arrive at university because you won't get up to a high enough level quickly enough. And I think that leads us on to a, a, a really important area. Um, you know, law is a competitive field, isn't it? It's an area that uh, uh, you know, uh, it requires a, a high level of dedication from students in order to be successful. Um, could you provide any, you know, tips for, for students who want to um, uh, go into this field? Yes, I, th I think you, you need to do to do your background research very carefully uh, in terms of uh, thinking about where you want your law degree to take you, either right. to the judicial system or to businesses, companies. And then you need to make sure that you go to um, a well-recognized university because top jobs, top employers tend to come to top universities to recruit students. Right. And I think that that's an important point to make. It really is. And maybe we should do an episode actually around, you know, target universities because, yes. uh, you know, as, as, uh, uh, as I've been learning recently, actually, uh, you know, going to a target university has a, uh, uh, a huge uh, benefit for students um, uh, in terms of their employability uh, rating. Most universities actually publish statistics um, about the percentage of their graduates who have got a job within six months of graduating. And this is always worth looking at uh, because right. it, it gives you a feeling about you know, basically what your chances are of going into a job when you finish at that university. And, and that's an important point. Okay, so I'm, I want to study law. Um, how do I go about applying for a Lloyd degree, Jeremy? Okay, look at your grades and look at the entry requirements that the university requires. Right. And try and match the two together. Uh, okay. And then off you go to university. Uh, but there are a few more things you need to consider before you do that. Um, look carefully at the course content. We actually went through earlier in this episode the uh, a typical course content from University College London. You do need to dig into that level of detail before you commit to a particular university. Right. Um, then moving away from the sort of purely academic area, look at the location of the university. Do you want to be living in a big city like London? Do you want to be living in a smaller city, a campus university? Very, very important. And then universities also publish information about um, the sort of careers that their students have moved on to. We, we mentioned just now about the data point, you know, percentage of students employed within six months. But also you should look at the places that they've actually gone to work. And you'll yep. be amazed at the variety and breadth of different professions that they've moved into. Right. And then, of course, you know, mastering the uh, the application process of the, the country that you're applying to. And we've covered that in, in a, a, a range of uh, different episodes. But basically, make sure you apply on time and submit the right documents. Is that right? Yes, I mean, some countries have a centralized system like the UCAS system in the UK or the Common App in the United States. 
Uh, most countries, you'll be applying directly to a particular university. So you create an account on the university's website, you do the form filling, you upload whatever supporting documents they require or request, and then they'll process your application. And as you rightly say, make sure you do it before the deadline. Now comes uh, uh, the cost conversation. Again, this is a, a tricky one, isn't it? It is, yes, because it varies hugely. But I think before we start talking about sort of costs of individual universities or countries, it's worth flagging up the fact that um, your study costs really uh, fall into two categories or two parts. First of all, tuition fees, and secondly, you know, accommodation, food, living costs. So you do actually have to make sure you add those two numbers together to get the, the final cost of your studies. And I think it's important to say, you know, you won't be studying a, a bachelor's in law in the USA or Canada. And so this is definitely outside of, uh, of those two countries. Is that right? Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a very good point because um, the total cost of your law degree will depend on many factors, one of which is how many years you actually have to study. Indeed. Um, you, you, you mentioned USA and Canada. If you go and do a three or four year bachelor degree and then you go and study law, well, that's a lot of years of studying to finance. It uh, certainly so is, especially as you can get a, a law degree about. in the UK or Holland in three years. And yes, you come out with yeah. an LLB I, uh, uh, as the qualification. From, from the UK, certainly. Um, but remember that in terms of, of studying a law degree, you, you will, in, in most instances, be restricted to studying in a country where you are fluent in the language. Of course. Might not be, might not be your own country, but you do need to be fluent in that language. Indeed, indeed. Um, and, uh, you know, to be fair, if you get a law degree in the UK for three years, if you want to work in the court system, you have to go then on, don't you, to, to go to law school afterwards. Yes, you have to have to do some further training, yeah, before yes, exactly. you're fully qualified. Yeah, indeed. Um, do you have any, uh, you know, top tips, final advice for for uh, people looking at uh, studying law? Yes, just to reiterate what what we were talking about before, you need to decide whether you want to be a lawyer in the court system of a country or use your law skills to work in a company or international organization. This right. is the critical first question. Most law graduates work in companies or organizations. Right, indeed. Well, I really enjoyed that, uh, Jeremy. Thank you so much. You provided uh, 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 the right amount of detail and I, I certainly I uh, increased my understanding enormously. Um, it's actually all this thinking has made me feel quite hungry. Uh, we're in, in the morning um, and I'm planning my breakfast. Uh, uh, what's on the agenda for, 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 for Jeremy today? Well, funny you should talk about food, Neil, but unfortunately it is actually too early for tort or torta, which is the general word for cake, <laughs> <laughs> to, to come back to what you were talking about earlier. What's on the agenda for breakfast? It's a good question, Neil. It's the usual. Um, oh. When the weather is very cold, I make porridge. I should point out that my grandfather was a Scot, you know, Scottish porridge. Um, however, Do you make it with milk and sugar or with salt and water? I, I, I know traditionally in Scotland they make it with salt and water, but I'm a... I'm a bit too soft for that. I prefer exactly, you're a milk. soft Englishman. Do you <laughs> do the milk soft, and sugar soft, variant? Soft, yeah, absolutely, yes. Okay, me uh, too. But, 
But actually today, as it's quite mild outside, I'm not going to go for the porridge option. I'm going to go for the healthy muesli with chopped fruit on it. Ooh, look at you. Are you going to enjoy that? I haven't decided yet. Maybe a a bacon sandwich or something. uh, That doesn't sound too healthy. Doesn't sound too healthy, Neil. Bacon sandwich. No, I've got a years on my side, though, uh, Jeremy. You know, I, I know you have. Uh, it sounds really, <laughs> sounds really tasty. I, I love bacon sandwiches. <laughs> I do too. Well, whatever you eat, uh, enjoy it, and we'll speak again soon. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share the Find Your Best Future podcast. <laughs>